3: Who
0: we thought we? they we? 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 were. Not about to well, I get out of here and just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's
1: go scatter the west right? tight. That's left, left, 372 wide sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I
0: going to go to college? I'll just play football.
2: All right. I'm here. What about you? On a Monday, Monday. Monday, Monday. What's happening? Good to see y'all. Good to hear from y'all. Hope you had a great weekend. Depending on who you root for, probably affected whether or not your weekend is considered great or not. Probably. Anyway, we'll get into it right now and see what there is. We'll sift through the ashes <laughs> for the Mississippi State fans this weekend. Ole Miss fans are feeling pretty good. Didn't have any b- basketball, but baseball was fun. Back into the series at Arkansas. That's a really tough place to win. And Ole Miss got a series win up there in Fayetteville. What? Yeah, in Fayetteville at Bomb Stadium. Sure did. Dropped game one, won game two and three, though. So big road series win for Ole Miss. Uh, Southern Miss baseball finally cooled off. They'd been sweeping everyone. You know, they took it on the chin there for about a week. Lost to State, lost to Midweek, and then lost a couple games to Gonzaga. One got rained out. It was just kind of like, uh uh-oh. Then, boom, Conference USA play. They've been dominating everybody. They finally cooled off. Went on the road and did not win a series, but still picked up a game on the road. They'll be okay. So, uh, here's your brief recap. Now, what's left? Well, plenty to get to with you today. Uh, on the phones, on the text line, via Twitter. And all of that will happen right here in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team at Farm Bureau, they are your home team. Local agents, competitive rates, fast, friendly service, the kind of people you want to do business with at Farm Bureau. Also, the show stays connected to you around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire is customer-inspired, and I'll tell you more about Seaspire. As the day goes on, let me open the phone line to you right now to start the show on a Monday. It's kind of a reaction Monday. Uh, if if you need counseling, I'm here. We'll try. <laughs> if you just want to brag, I'm here. If your bracket is intact, happy to hear about it. If it's busted, then just come on over here with the rest of us who have busted brackets. But let me know about any of it. I'd love to hear your voice on the Davini Equipment phone. Easy to remember. Here is the number, 995-1059. It's a 601 area code, 995-1059. So give me a shout on the Davini Equipment phone. Davini Equipment in Madison and Jackson is your Kubota dealer. Big tractors, mowers, all that good stuff. Big equipment, little equipment. And all points in between. You can get boots, feed, all the stuff for the hunters, or just get a mower and go mow the grass. Anything you want. Right there at Divinity Equipment, Madison and Jackson. Roger, how was your weekend, buddy? Where's Roger?
1: I'm here, sorry. Hey, there he is. The boss poked his head in.
2: You know, you gotta, well, you got to hey, talk boss. to the boss. Hey, boss, man. <laughs> he pulled it right back out. Hey, so he's, <laughs> he poked his head in, and then he heard me say, hey, Roger. <laughs> yeah. yeah he's, you know, he used to be in the business, you know, on the air. He hears those cues. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, here's just hoping you had a great weekend.
1: Well, I, I did, but I didn't enjoy the game yesterday yeah. too much.
2: Didn't enjoy the game. No, that was a bummer. Okay, so let me start right there on something. Roger, I think I have a problem. Well,
1: I enjoyed it up until the end.
2: Up until the end. It was yeah, right. <laughs> 88-84, which it's a really close game. Oregon wins. It was kind of like a home game for Oregon. But uh, I'm just going to throw this out there for everybody. It is one of several things that I came away from yesterday's women's basketball game with. (sighs) And I realize that I opened myself up to, you know, lots of criticism myself and being pointed at and snickered at for, you know, thinking about this. (laughs) But I had an issue with the way it sounded on television.
1: (laughs) I was listening, trying to figure out what you were complaining about the last game, see if any of that shenanigans was going on. I didn't hear it. What, what did you hear?
2: Okay. Roger, you know how like I always complain when there's a broadcast that doesn't focus on the game? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I always complain about that. And look, I, I realize about 99% of the time I just need to shut up. I get it. Okay. But. What I saw yesterday in that game was like this big national broadcast on ESPN and it was so one sided. <laughs> it was you had and, and the Anescu I show. Yeah, listen, and it was okay, she was fantastic. And, and they, they kept telling us that, yeah. Right. And, Roger, listen, you saw it. It was basically a home game for Oregon because it was in Portland and the arena was just full of their fans. It might as well have been their home arena. That's just the way it worked out. It's the luck of the draw. There's nothing the NCAA, the NCAA sets those sites three or four years ahead of time. They didn't plan anything, it just happened that way. It was kind of bad luck on State's part. But still, State had a chance to win, and regardless of where they were playing fans. But I think because of the atmosphere, being like a home atmosphere for Oregon, the announcer for the game was so over-the-top pro-Oregon. And I normally roll my eyes at a lot of that kind of stuff, but it became so obvious. I'm not sure I've ever seen anything quite like it on a national-type broadcast. The difference between the voice inflection and the excitement and everything when the ball is on one end of the floor and it goes in the basket versus the other end of the floor when it goes in the basket... Now, a home cooking and the announcing, huh? Yeah, and the announcing has no effect on the game. It never has and it never will. But it has an effect on those of us watching the game, sort of. And what I'm seeing is I understand that when Oregon makes a shot, the arena gets loud, so maybe he feels the need to get louder himself. But it was just – it was like – like nowadays on the SEC Network online, on the SEC Network Plus – The broadcasts, like the ones I do for state, like they originate on campus with local guys. And there are some around the league, some schools, that basically it's a home or broadcast on SEC+, even though we're told don't do that on SEC+. We're told this ain't a home broadcast. This is for the two teams on the field and both teams and both fan bases, and you call it down the middle as best you can. Well, there's some don't do that. It's like watching a home, and we just accept it. It's fine, you know, whatever, at, at certain schools. You just don't expect it in in an elite eight NCAA tournament game. So I complained about that. I did. I did. What, what was the
1: the narrative? Have, have they been twice denied, or was it, uh, it? It seemed like they had settled on that this would be the better story if they were to come back this year and yeah, overcome they had, whatever the, you know last year. They be, a better story than whatever state had going on.
2: Absolutely, they had gotten bounced out of the elite eight. Uh, I think two years in a row, had not made a Final Four yet. And so, yeah, that was the story. Of course, State had been to the national title game two times in a row uh, and hadn't won it. But it was just this noticeable difference. I, I mean, and I'm not talking about at the end of the game, like if there's a winning shot or two, yeah, you go crazy then for sure. But I'm talking about in the first quarter. Like at the end of the first quarter, State was ahead. The game was totally a toss-up. It could go either way. There's no guarantee of which team is going to win. It was back and forth, and State barely led at the end of the first quarter. The first quarter. But if you go back and you just watch each made shot on each end as they're trading punches in the first quarter, on one end it was a three goes in ahead, right? Let's go. And then on the other end, Brian Amber Scott answers with a three for Mississippi State. Over and over and over. It was just blatant. And so I muted it. All right. Here we go. Divinity phone. Somebody hanging on named Chicken Hawk. What's up, C-H? Hey, man. What
3: do you mean, somebody hanging on?
2: Well, I just don't know anybody named Chicken Hawk. But now I do. Now I know. What's that? What, what, no, wait, wait a minute, brother. When you was over there on that
3: other channel with that dude over there that was a homie for the school, up know if I called in sometimes. Did you
2: really? Okay, all right. So you, the same uh, I, chicken hawk. What kind of noise does a chicken hawk make?
3: What, <laughs> hey, hey, I was making a bunch of them with you last night, me, me and Lou Bell both. And not only at some the announcers, dude, but I was right there with Coach Schaefer. I wanted to jump through the TV on the referee. Brother, they was some doggone. I'm talking about some homie calls made by the Oregon Rail. <laughs> but now here we go. I got to hand it to one thing. You seen last night the the national champions. I don't care about UConn or nobody else. And, look, them girls right there, Ill, you know, they play like, especially that one little old girl, brother, they just couldn't miss. I mean, and I've never seen nobody with so much determination. Every time they showed a picture of her face, mm-hmm. no matter what, this girl was focused. Yeah. And quick, dude, she was almost as quick as I am. I'm talking about this girl has some food. <laughs> and three points, two points, passing it around. The, the back door killed us last night, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah, she, I mean, she is incredible. She She's the best player that State has faced since Asia Wilson of South Carolina the last couple of years.
3: Yeah, I'd say so. That that may undoubtedly be- He's, um, I mean, I, I just stood it to me. I, well, I just stand sometimes. I fell on my knees sometimes. You know, I was just up and down and all. I almost had me a heart attack, dude. I'm finna to beat 59 wins. And look at here, That's the closest to a heart attack. But I got to start off. I got to start that coming when you answered the phone, because I always do this and always end the same way. Hail State, Hail State, I don't give a crap. And about the baseball team, hey, they, hey, where we at now, number Still number two, what we, uh, we fell uh,
2: They fell in the D one poll, down to number eight.
3: Oh Lord, that, well that don't make no difference. It don't make no difference till we get over there and regional super regional read- till we get up there to Omaha. One more question: How much? I mean, y'all do all this betting and stuff now that it's legal. And I know that, that Jake and <laughs> Cutie Pie on the first show really keep up with, uh, you know, the. The, the stuff, yeah, you know what I'm talking uh, about when I say cutie pie. Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> 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 hey, how much money? How much money was lost last night? Bless your heart for them folks that that it. That, that, that do you got
2: any idea? I don't know. No, I don't know. If you'll keep listening today, though, somebody will tell you, Chicken Hawk. I promise you.
3: Uh, oh, I know Jake will. You
2: know Jake's
3: <laughs> the man when it comes. He is him, the him, man. Him and his him and his penny loafers with the shiny dimes in them. <laughs> You know, <laughs> hey, look out.
2: Look He'll out. It'll stay, Roger. It'll <laughs> st- stay, a Chicken right, Hawk. Good call, man. Penny well, Loafers.
1: We do- we'll give Jake's signature.
2: Bing. The Penny Loafers with the shiny dime. Jake, we got your bell, man. Y'all left it in the studio. Build it hostage. <laughs> But whatever mic is in front of that thing's pretty loud. I just I'm gonna have to dial it back a little. bit. Sorry about that. That's okay. But hey, did he call? Did he just call Bo Bounds cutie pie? I I, I think that's picked up a he little is. sarcasm there. I started to say, "Well, have you seen him?" Now, <laughs> now Bo has a beautiful family, a great family, a beautiful family. In spite of Bo, yeah, <laughs> they're all cutie pies, but him. Have you seen Bo? We call him cutie pie. He'll start to believe it. No, I'm kidding. And he said, and the, same, the same could be said of Matt Wyatt. Probably. Oh, there's no question, man. Lovely family. You ought to see him. how do he do that? <laughs> <laughs> They'll never let it be said that I am not a salesman.
1: As Bo would say, you outkicked your coverage.
2: I sure did. There's no question about it. The Lord has blessed me in ways that I certainly do not deserve. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, look. Chicken Hawk talking about the referees. Coach Schaefer, you know, at that point, season's over, and I guess he just didn't want to get fined, but he kind of laid it out there. He said, I think it's pretty obvious to everybody it was called a little differently. Um, this, is, this is something that you saw it in the Oregon game. Let, let me hit on three things. Number one, I went on the rant about the broadcast. It was unprofessional. It just was. It was unprofessional for an Elite Eight game on national television. It was unprofessional. Okay, But it has no effect on the game, number number two. The, the fact that it's in Portland is predetermined way ahead of time. It's not a setup of any kind. Now we can go, well, seeding. They put State as a one seed, but put them in the Portland bracket with Oregon in there as a two seed, yeah, well, whatever. But State still had a chance to win the game. That's the thing about it. Even in front of all those fans – and even with Oregon playing a great ball game, and even with their best player, the best player in the country, setting a record, state still had a chance to win the game. They played that good. It was 88 84. I know it, but sometimes things work out that way. It's not, you know, I don't have that big a problem with it. And the other thing is, you talk about officiating. Let me, let me give you a couple of things to soak on in regards to the officiating in the game. Number one, state's been dealing with it all year. It wasn't new. It wasn't just out of nowhere. They've been dealing with it all year. Okay? Think of it like this. I made this example earlier on the Praise the Lord and Talk Dogs podcast, which just posted this morning (laughs) with Brett Hudson. It's like a golfer, for instance. Let's say there's a golfer in your town that is the, the best golfer in the area and he owns the course record at the home course, the local country club golf course. Well, that course is obviously not Augusta National. It ain't that good or that smooth. Okay, it's not Pebble Beach. Okay, it's the local country club, and you've got a gopher problem. The local golfer, best golfer, course record, he breaks par when he goes and plays. He knows everything about the course, but you've got a gopher problem. There's holes out there. You just learn to play around the Gophers. <laughs> you just learn to deal with it. And you've been dealing with it for, the last, for, the, for your whole life playing golf at that particular course. They just have a Gopher problem. <laughs> okay, listen. State has just dealt with it. Instead of Gophers, it's bad officiating. They, you, number one, everybody in the SEC deals with it in women's basketball. But State especially because this is a fact. I'm about to lay a fact on you that you cannot argue because there's way too many examples. It's like when Shaquille O'Neal played at LSU, and in the NBA, they did this for that matter. Officials allowed defenders to get away with things against Tierra McCowan that they will not allow you to get away with against anybody else. All right? Think about that for a second. And don't even start to argue with me because you can't. Officials, including in Oregon, but all throughout the year, they've dealt with it all year, officials allow defenders to get away with things against Tierra that they wouldn't allow them to get away with against anybody else. And you know why it is? Because she's six foot seven and taller and bigger and stronger than everybody else. It's the same dynamic you had with Shaq when he was in the SEC. I, it, it is what it is. I mean, you know, is it, is it just human nature? I, I don't know what you talk it up to, but what I said is a fact. You look yesterday, there are times where she, there were two different times where she got called for a foul when she was actually the one being fouled, and it was obvious to anyone on replay. You have defenders that bow up against her and put the elbow in her back and put every bit of force they can get behind it to keep her From spinning and and pushing them into the paint, officials allow you to get away with it. They won't allow that against anybody else. And it's just because she was bigger. And after the game, she said, you know, they say it's not an issue, but it really is an issue. It's the first time all year she said anything about it. She might as well because the season's over. So that's a fact, too. But, again, in regards to officiating, it's something they've been dealing with all year long. They're used to it. And they go out there and they still almost win the game. They played... A phenomenal, they really did. They really did. They really did. They played a phenomenal game. But the other team played better. Now, we can say that it's because it was in Portland and it was in front of a home crowd. Whatever. We can say all those things, fine. But the fact is, Oregon played a little better. They just did. I felt like Oregon earned that win. For Pete's sake, they hit 13 three-point shots. They could not miss. They're the number one three-point shooting team in the country with the best player in the country, Sabrina Ionescu. And as a team, they went 13 of 26, hit 13 threes, and that was 50% of their shots. She went five for eight from three-point range. That's the number one thing. Somehow, Oregon out-rebounded Mississippi State, even though you get 15 rebounds from McCAllen. And State was 8 for 14 from three-point range. They hit you know fewer three-point shots. They took a lot fewer three-point shots, too. Which brings me to a point that's over here on the text line. From Brian, the real Brian on the text line. 885 ESPN, 885-3776 says, Matt, I firmly believe that State lost because they did not have Chloe Bibby shooting from the perimeter to make up the difference. Listen, what I, believe, what I believe is that that would have made a difference also. Chloe Bibby would have made a difference all year long. They probably don't lose to Missouri at home in the regular season if she's on the team. She was their three-point shooter. And on one of the top four or five best teams in the country at a program like State, let me tell you something. It's no fluke when you are the entrenched starter on that basketball team and the number one shooter. It ain't no fluke. So, not having her is a big deal. They coached around it and played around it all year long. But think about the difference when you have Chloe Bibby's threat from the outside, as good a shooter as she is, all throughout the season. When they're double-teaming, triple-teaming Tierra McCowan in the paint like they were yesterday, they feed her, and then she's able to kick out, not to someone else, but to Chloe Bibby who's going to hit those shots. Yep, yeah, I do believe not having her sh- there and able to shoot the ball made a big difference. back on the show. I'm Matt, live in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast, friendly service. That is Farm Bureau. Um, Yeah, I don't know about the whole... I do know that the brackets... In the tournaments and the sites and stuff, or they plan that stuff and award it out there really early. Um, for instance, it's already determined, like you know, where the regional sites are for the NCAA bracket in 2022. Like you know what I mean? Like so, that was not a short-term thing. Portland has been sitting out there waiting to host this thing for years now, Portland, Oregon, but. And State was a, a one seed, but there are four of them, right? You got four number one seeds that go to each of the four corners of the bracket. And they place those number one seeds, you know, preferentially in order of their seeding. So if that can make any sense, you got four number one seeds, but State was the fourth in line of the four number one seeds. And that's why they got sent all the way to Portland. It's my understanding. And again, if they win, we're not talking about it. But a lot of people have an issue with that. Divini Equipment phone line is 995-1059. It's a 601 area code. Just dial 995-1059, and that will get you in on the Divinity phone. Like right now, we have Gator Man. On the phone. What's up, Gator Man?
0: I think you got Jeff.
2: Oh, Jeff, I'm sorry. Jeff, what's up?
0: That's thought I'd, I've answered the worst. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right about those sites. Actually, they're not awarded. Okay. They're bid-on. Yeah. So anybody who wants to bid on them, they can bid on them. You know, so, like you said, Porton's had a bid in for a while. But I don't think like you. I don't think the uh, crowd made a difference because I saw a lot of state people up there, and even though they're outnumbered, the state people are loud. So I know when they had the ball, I heard all defense, defense. So uh, you know we were represented up in there, maybe not to the mouth they were. Sure. But I tell you, from here on out, look for some more transfers coming into state. I tell you the reason why. The reason why Andrea Howard left. you know the reason why she left? Texas A&M, it was right after her season last year. She was looking to get all SEC. She wasn't even represented out of the 16 players, not even first team or second team. She was playing second fiddle to that Kennedy Carter, basically yeah. rebound and kick it back out to her. Mm. And she wanted to do something a little bit more what she wanted. What really made her mad was that coach of her there, is Blair. Mm. He knew she was bad. He gave her a game ball to make up for it. He's never given them the game ball. So that really accented that. And you saw what she did. She won all these awards. She was first team all SEC. And I know she got all SEC tournament. I, I wasn't sure if you heard of the regionals because I'm sure Tierra got regional and maybe, um, also, um, Anriel and maybe Jasmine. I'm yeah. not sure. So she had 13 assists, right? But, uh, we got a, we got a transfer coming up. I got some inside people there that she had to set out this past year. But when you see her next year, You'll say Tiara who? Um, Is that uh Promise Taylor? She came from uh, Ole Miss. She's from Washington. And she was All-SEC freshman her freshman year. And uh, she's been going against Tiara in the, uh, what do you call it, practice? Yeah. And uh, she really looks good. So uh, I think that's going to be a big plus for us. But next year, look for Vic to have a lot of three-pointers, because I think you saw his demise, like you said, in that ballgame because of three-pointers.
2: Yeah. I appreciate the call, Jeff. You know, and I've heard a lot of good things, too, about Promise Taylor. Like I said, we got to see her play her freshman year uh, at Ole Miss. She did not have a great team around her. I will say, you know, you said it would make us go Tierra who. um, It's going to be a long time before that happens for anybody. I mean, she'd have to be – you know, you look at the the records that Tierra set, like all-time SEC records, rebounding and stuff like that. Well, we'll see. And and that is the other part of it, too, is, you know, their their team this year was so good in so many ways. They were good defensively. They uh, could do so much to you uh, with the ball on the offensive end. But after the Chloe Bibby injury, they hit a lot of important threes. They really could, and they did. They had some games where they hit a bunch. But it wasn't as constant an outside threat, it didn't seem like. and. That would have really complemented Tierra McCowan very much so throughout the year, even more so. Again, they collapse on her, kick it out to an open three from Bibby every now and then. And it gives you another arrow or two from an X's and O standpoint, the quiver, that you can draw up screening off the ball to get and make sure that it is a Chloe Bibby getting that kick out for that three as opposed to somebody else. So uh, it made a difference. You know, we'll see. They did a heck of a job with what they, the situation they were dealt, though. That's for sure. They really did. The other thing that went on in basketball yesterday that was uh, incredible to see was on the men's side. You had Kentucky and uh, Auburn meeting up on the men's side in the Elite Eight. So two SEC teams squaring off with each other to make it to the Final Four. And uh, it was really an incredible ball game. I don't know what adjective you could use that wouldn't be appropriate in that way. Outstanding, unbelievable, amazing. I think all those really kind of work. Auburn had the halftime lead. I'm wrong. Kentucky had the halftime lead. Auburn comes back, ties it up dominates overtime, wins it 77-71 in overtime, two SEC teams against each other, uh, fifth-seeded Auburn versus second-seeded Kentucky. And the thing about Auburn is you go back and you look. Here they are beating Kentucky in overtime in the Elite Eight. And I know they had one loss to Kentucky in the regular season, a close one when they hosted them. Uh, They lost... Yeah, in the early, early part of the conference schedule in January, or maybe early February, they lost to Kentucky at home 82-80. to And then later in the year, they went to Lexington and lost to Kentucky 80-53. to A 27-point loss on the road at Kentucky. And that, ladies and gentlemen was the Auburn Tigers' last loss of the season. The last time they lost a game was that one. Back on February the 22nd. (laughs) Their last loss was on February 22nd at Kentucky, and they lost by 27 points. Since then, after that blowout at Kentucky, they beat Georgia on the road, beat State in Auburn by 5, beat Alabama. They beat Tennessee by 4, beat Missouri, beat South Carolina, beat Florida by 3, beat Tennessee again. What would that that would have been in the SEC tournament, huh? 84-64. Yeah, that was the SEC tournament deal. And now look at what they've done. They beat Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky. to make it to the final four. And they wrote a hit piece about Bruce Pearl, but you can say what you want. The dude can coach. Does Auburn have anywhere near the highly touted prospects on its roster that Kentucky does or North Carolina or Kansas? Not even close. Beat all of them. Beat all of them. And by the way, what's Cal doing at Kentucky? All those players every year, number one recruiting and going home. Stick around.
3: You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.
2: I'm stalling, Roger. It's my fault. Right. I'm, st- I'm stalling because I'm late typing in the phone number of the guest we need to call right now. <laughs> oh. I was busy reading something and lost track of time. <laughs> you see it there? I just punched it in for you.
1: You're probably gonna have to do it again. I think I'm on
2: that page. Okay. But- <laughs> it's Monday, folks. That's what it is. It's Monday. Install and- some more. <laughs> it's Monday, and that's my dad gum excuse. And I still didn't give you all the numbers you need. You need that last one. I'm gonna, look at this, Roger. I'm just typing in the last number. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. The man we're going to call is David Murray. From Gene's page, 24 7 Sports. He is Dogs Bite Mag on Twitter. And we're going to talk a little baseball with him. Earlier, when I started the show, and I was kind of rattling off things that happened over the weekend, I mentioned state's women bowing out of the NCAA tournament, a tough four point loss at Oregon, 88 84. I mentioned Ole Miss Baseball getting their bats going, starting to look like. The team, a lot of people thought they could be after a road series win at Arkansas. That could be a turning point for Ole Miss. And that is a hard place to win at Arkansas. And they back ended it one on Saturday and Sunday. And so Coach Mike Bianco is coming up in uh, about 20 minutes here on the show. And somebody texted me and said, How come you didn't mention Mississippi State baseball? Well, maybe it slipped. Of course, it seems like a long time ago because they played on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. But LSU back ended that one. You know, State won six to five on Thursday in front of a big crowd and an even bigger crowd on Saturday, on Friday. Excuse me, saw LSU come in there and score ten runs, and for the first time this year, JT Ginn got hit around the yard a little bit, and LSU did what they do, and that's just win series in Starkville. They've been doing that for a while. Let's talk about it now with David Murray dogs bite mag on twitter he's a part of uh, gene's page and 24 7 sports david uh looking back at the weekend a lot seems to have happened between now and then but really there's no other i didn't think there was any other explanation other than state just didn't play really clean baseball for two straight days and lsu played pretty well what was your evaluation
4: well, that was the same word that Coach Chris Monus used. He said they did not play clean. That doesn't just refer to defense, although certainly the lack of defensive plays. Um, most of the, well, all four of the infielding positions upholds true even a couple of errors unexpectedly from the outfield as well, and maybe not charged errors, but mistakes made. That's one thing. Part of it, though, was she just came in and pitched better. Mm-hmm. Um you look at it. Once you get past that first five innings, when State builds that lead of a six to two, uh, after giving up the early two-run homer, then LSU what outscored State? I think twenty-four to six over the remainder of the series. I'm mm. probably off a little bit here or there, but LSU got their bats going, but I think they just pitched better. Um, and it, you go into Saturday. You got that heralded matchup of two top-flight SEP freshmen, and you think, okay, JT Ginn, home field, six and zero, oh, unbeaten. Uh, almost unchallenged, well, I'm not going to say he looked like a freshman because LSU had a freshman on the Hill, too. <laughs> but you saw what a team with a lot of left-handers and an aggressive approach can do to a new pitcher in this league. I think State just got a little bit rattled and never recovered through the rest of the series, and LSU did what it has done since, and I believe me, this hurts to say. But you, do you realize Mississippi State has not won a home series I guess LSU's.
0: That's
2: 2003. Yeah. That's, that's, that's uh, pretty incredible. I mean, it really is. And the way baseball works, it's weird because states won several in Baton Rouge. You know, they've had more success going down there. David, you know, Ron Polk used to say that sometimes his state teams wouldn't play as good at home a lot of times in front of those huge crowds because it's home crowds, they'd feel the pressure, they'd tighten up, and then they'd go on the road and play in front of smaller teams and just play better baseball. you think there's anything to that sometimes?
4: Uh, only in the sense that when you go on the road and there's not a crowd there, the other team has no inspiration and you bring your own. Uh, I, I, I kind of took that uh, with a big sack of salt when Ron would say that because he's often covering for his players, That's a good coach does. I think this team and recent teams have been more inspired by the crowds they have. So I I don't think that really the factor there. I'll tell you what it was to me, too. I think LSU came in after dropping the series at Georgia. Who, By the way, I've been looking to get a little bit off topic. I started looking at the weekend about who has the inside track, so to speak, to winning the SEC championship. And I'm going to say it's going to come out of the Eastern Division, probably Vanderbilt or Georgia, Simply because they get to play Missouri, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Who well, I'm not sold on Tennessee yet, still, despite having a good week in the Vanderbilt, um, and they all get to play Alabama from the West. So the schedule in the way baseball sets up, I think somebody in the East is going to win the title. Anyway, getting back to the series, LSU came in with an edge. Uh, I'm not going to say desperate, but really eager to get back on track. And they took a much more aggressive approach at the plate and I don't think State's pitching was quite prepared for that. And I don't know whether it was scouting or the fact that LSU stacked, what, six left handers in their first seven batters, which you don't see very often. Mm. So I think LSU just had the right approach and LSU made all but one defensive play all weekend. I don't think they're a great defensive team, but if you put the ball within their range, they don't make mistakes whereas State opened the door with errors and with a lot more walks than they're used to getting.
2: Yeah. David Murray on your radio right now, you've seen a lot of baseball over the years at State. And a lot of – David, I mean, this is not making an excuse, but doesn't it – don't you see it a lot where teams – they just hit a stretch where things get a little unraveled for them. And really it's all about who can put things together and have it back in place and ready to go. Come May and early June.
4: Yeah, there's a lot to that. I mean, goodness knows, look at the twenty eighteen Bulldogs. They put nothing together until May when they swept Florida and they get in postseason and got sizzling hot in Souble A's. Yes, that happens, but this team now, trust me, I never bought into this being the number two ranked team in the country, but I don't pay any attention to rankings until mid April anyway because What's the saying, in college baseball, you're only as good a ranking as your starting pitcher is and the guy behind the plate calling balls and strikes is. So that, keep that in perspective there. I still think it's definitely a top-20 team, maybe even a top-15, top-12 team. But they've got to settle a lot of defensive liabilities that LSU was able to expose and very good teams do expose. They're certainly still good enough on the infield to beat teams that are equal or lesser. And that's pretty much the definition of what you'd say a contending team is. But the better teams are going to put more pressure. But now they know it. And plus, you, you look at the Auburn series. They almost let that one get away too. So I think they've kind of hit a little bit of a wall here after such a great run to start it. It's a new coaching staff in a lot, most parts. It's uh, still feeling out each other. A few things they are learning about each other that only series like this can truly expose. So now I think we're going to start seeing coming weeks whether, you know, Chris Lemonis and staff and the team mesh, find those few little bitty things that none of us will ever notice until after it. it doesn't show in a box score, but you see it on the field. This is going to be the test for them. And, and I, like the, I like the prospects because there's so many self-starters on this ball club who can pretty much coach themselves.
2: Yeah. Good stuff. Well, and off to Knoxville um, this weekend, I guess – I'm not looking at it specifically. I got a couple of minutes here left, David, but I know Tennessee got one win against Vandy. Vandy won the series, though, didn't they? I
4: did not see the final Sunday, and I know Tennessee was leading seven to three in yeah. the, um, the game three, here. which was delayed by weather. Yeah, if you can check that out. But, Let's see. Um, yeah, so Tennessee's Vandy played.
2: Vandy won the first two, and Tennessee came back and salvaged the game yesterday. They did and won seven right. to six.
4: And Tennessee. Playing several freshmen, you know they've got their own, you know what the, about the fifteenth new coach in the yeah. last twenty <laughs> years or something. I mean, sooner or later you think they'll get it right there, but yeah, they're playing some young players. For what I saw of them a little bit of the Vanderbilt series, um, they're playing more aggressively. They're certainly swinging the bat better, and they're going to be at home. So here's the, they're going to look at here Mississippi State's coming in. Here's our chance to make a statement series. If the Bulls can take advantage of this weekend, just take care of your business. And I think here's something else going to help. Playing a midweek game last week of Valley, I know it was Valley last Tuesday, and then playing a Thursday through Saturday series, that Valley game should have never been played. You just call them and say, don't bother coming because we got to start on Thursday. We don't need to use the pitchers. We need to give our guys a little bit of rest there. Well, now they just play one mid- midweek game this week with uh, Louisiana Monroe on Wednesday. Go to Tennessee. Then you got one game next week. You're now getting into the part of the season where you can just find your four starters, and State still has to locate that third starter. I haven't given up on Keegan James yet. Um, I still think he's got potential to be that guy, but you just, you got to settle that because now it's getting into people's minds that, wow, we've got to win it with the first two or we can't. Whether true or not, once you start thinking it, it becomes true. Yeah. But you've got Alabama coming to town the next weekend, so. You've got to make your hay in these two weekends with Tennessee and Alabama before you make that trip to Arkansas, before you host Georgia. Yeah. Because then the series like this are what decide whether you're going to host NCAA play or not. Yes, teams can get hot towards the end, but you'd sure rather stake yourself into a better position to be hot on your home field when it comes to NCAA tournament no
2: time doubt.
4: than it would be having to do what they did last year and go on the road, Matt.
2: No doubt. David, thank you.
4: Matt, good to talk to you, and you I'm too. sure I'll see you at
2: the ball yard. Yep, it won't be long. Thank you, buddy. That's David Murray. Y'all follow him on Twitter at Dogs Bite Mag. He's with 24-7 Sports and Jeans Page. Coach Mike Bianco coming up next to start us off in the next hour on the show in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're
3: listening to the Matt Wyatt Show.